Thanks, Chad. Good to be back here with uh, the family here in mid-Michigan. Uh, gosh, I miss having McDonald's uh, not available for me. <laughs> it was disorienting when I was uh, talking to Chad. Hey, let's get together. I'll see you at McDonald's. No, 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 you can't meet at McDonald's. It's just like hey, something's really out of weird, out of sync here. Uh, good to be here. I Man, I love the sanctuary. Great job, all you guys who uh, put it together. Uh, got to be here Thursday night and see it for the first time, but it was all dark. You know, it was a youth event, so it was dark. Nobody could see each other. Couldn't see the sanctuary, really. Uh, now I can actually see faces out there, so this is great. Um, as Chad said, uh, man, I've gotten to share uh, God's heart for the world uh, with you folks a few times from a few different directions. And uh, honestly, I'm not asked to speak about the other Part of our responsibility too often. Now, we live in San Diego now. It was really um, different coming back, and uh, now I get traffic tickets in San Diego. I buy the groceries at the local Avon store instead of at George Cito or Tang Mao or Gadamut Enterprises, all these really exotic places, Chinese trade, trade stores. Everything's like really cool overseas. And uh, now I go to Vons. Uh, you know, now I mow the lawn out front. And uh, uh, I am, by the way, the only person on our block who mows his own lawn. That's quite a, that's a decision Beth and I made a few years back because we live in a community now. We don't live with a bunch of Eteddies who I can just walk into their house and they're walking into my house. And uh, people have walls, people have expectations, they have, door, they have garage door openers. You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? And uh, I, we actually have neighbors. They are mystery people. We know there are human beings that live in those houses. Uh, we literally never see them, okay, because uh, that garage door opener. And as we became uh, more clued into the realities of living in the suburbs, um, and we do. We live in uh, San Diego, uh, what, 15 minutes from uh, San Diego International Airport. So we are in um, the suburbs and uh, basically the same house I grew up in as a kid. Uh, it's just different doing that. And how do you get to know your neighbor? For one thing, I, I live a really weird life, traveling all over the place, you know. And when you say that uh, you were an ex-missionary, like, what in the heck is that already? They can't figure that one out. Now we work in a school in Tijuana, and half the people in San Diego st still think they're beheading people on a regular basis in Tijuana. It's just kind of a cottage industry, beheading people. No, that's not really what we do. That's not our... And so, man, we live this weird life. And so uh, having connection points with our neighbors is just a little more difficult and then on top of it, uh, and I think one thing that's real common is we think about reaching, being an outreaching people, touching our community. And you guys have sat here and heard how many mission conferences, and we've got the verses that Jesus gives us incredible clarity. We've got Matthew 28, we've got Mark 16, we've got Luke 24, we've got John 20, we've got Acts 1. We've got some very pointed passages that give us great clarity. And we have a responsibility to the nations. But we don't have this, uh, and I'll just save you the, the time, you don't have similar texts that push you to talk to the guy in the aisle of Walmart, okay? It's just not there, or your neighbor. You don't have those direct uh, type of uh, emphatic pronouncements, okay? And, and so we have to come at this a little bit differently, and you know, that's not uncommon in Scripture. We have... Uh, a lot of clear admonitions towards sexual purity, uh, toward responsibility to our employer, uh, man, to our God, obviously, man, to this church. Uh, there are clear directives that speak to those things and give us great guidance. But there's also a host of issues that we all navigate amongst that, uh, man, the scriptures don't you know, say a lot about, okay, directly. Uh, and, and they kind of fall into a few categories. One category is, so what? Who cares? 
That, there's the big so what category. You know, Burger King or McDonald's? Well, that you know, question got answered for you. Uh, Ford, Chevy, Toyota. Uh, eternally speaking, big so what? Okay, uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah, I hate to say it. You know, big so what? At the end of the day, you get the so what category, and so the scriptures don't speak to that. Then you've got the other category, uh, where the scriptures uh, give us principles. Okay, you've got uh, things like marijuana. Uh, the scriptures are silent about marijuana in particular, but we have principles that speak to that. Internet pornography. Uh, there's nothing, no, no references there uh, regarding that in particular, but we have principles, okay? And then there's another way that the scriptures uh, guide us, and that is there are assumptions that the scriptures give to us. And this whole issue of talking to our neighbor really falls under that one. As much as the principles that guide us, there's the assumption that the people of God, of course, are speaking of this thing that happened to them. It was never even foreseen that we would be a silent people. The writers of scripture never tell us, now put your pants on before you come to church. They just kind of assume we're all going to do that. Uh, don't take sharp objects and stab eye sockets. There's no direct imperatives regarding that. There's just kind of a basic assumption you're not going to do that. Don't kill babies in the womb. Other moral issues that confront us today, there's no direct imperatives given to us in Scripture. But there are assumptions, and there are principles, actually. And this is what falls into to be the people of God and not to be the speakers of this message, it was just never even foreseen that we would not be people that are so gripped, we're forgiven. Now we're rightly related to God. Who could have envisioned an age back then when these scriptures were being written that this would become uh, what it has become? And for everyone, I guess I, I'm hesitant to say what it's become because we all have different reasons why we find this difficult. And we're going to touch on some of these today. But let's just go back and, and revisit the scriptures. We're going to start in the book of Acts today, Acts chapter uh, 2. We're not going to go to Acts 1. Yeah, Brad's talked about Acts 1, man, how many times? Uh, we're going to Acts 2 today, the day of Pentecost. And uh, I love how it starts here. We see at the coming of the Holy Spirit, we've got these uh, terrified disciples. Terrified disciples hanging out in the upper room, praying and praying and praying. Uh, they're still trying to get uh, real clarity. Man, what just happened? Three and a half years, Jesus was with us, did miracles, raised the dead, confounded the scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Man, totally uh, declared himself basically as God in flesh and then he got crucified and then he rose we get that but uh, we're not feeling it uh, he's, he's told us to stay here in this room and pray and we're going to receive the Holy Spirit but uh, what's that all about man a general covering up of the Holy Spirit there that was unprecedented what is going on huddled in the upper room are, are we going to be dead also is this message that we think there's a message here uh, is this going to live on so the, a, a huge amount of uncertainty that being the backdrop in verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Fear, trepidation, lack of clarity, gone, dispelled. Man, they get the sound of rushing wind. They get the tongues of fire. They get the gift of speaking in other tongues, not the tongues of... 1 Corinthians chapter 14, tongues that would be intelligible to the audience out there that day. But this huge, visible, 
audible miracle happens. They got clarity. It's easy to speak when you have clarity. It's easy to speak when you've just seen a miracle. Uh, maybe some of us would say, oh, man, if I had similar clarity, uh, it would be easier for me to talk to my neighbor. Man, if I was a recipient of a rushing wind, a different tongue, an earthquake, chains falling off, jail doors opening, uh, the things that we see in the New Testament, miraculous healing, I was dead, I was raised back. If I was a recipient of that, maybe it would be easier. And um, the fact is, is that's a, those are rare occurrences. Those are rare occurrences. Uh, they were rare occurrences in this day. Uh, that did not precede even that very morning, the message that Peter gives, those guys didn't see the other. When Peter starts talking, all that other stuff faded into the, into the backdrop there. Most of us are not going to have some of those experiences, but you know what? We are now 2,000 years later. We have two millennia of Christian writings teaching. This message has gone on. We have pastoral staff. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God in us. And if we have been the recipients of having our sins forgiven, and guys, I'm going to go back to that quite a few times this morning. Man, we sang this. Uh, man, in Sunday school class, man, what an epic Sunday school class. Man, you guys are biblically literate as a church. Uh, man, what the cognizance that our sins have been forgiven, that must drive us, that much must grip us. Uh, okay, we haven't heard the tongues the rushing wind. We haven't seen them light on our shoulders. But guys, we have truth. And are we assured of the truth of our message that it can stand up? Guys, if you're not assured of the reality, the, the, the verified message that we have, talk to someone. We'll never be able to talk to our neighbors until we're sure this is truth that stands. It works with us and God. It works in life. It is the one message in reality. And this is we've seen this in, in the missionary circles. Um, and the truth of Scripture, the Teddies told us years later after uh, we had shared the message of the gospel with them and, they, and they'd undergone a couple of years of Christian truth. I was curious. I asked them, uh, what were you thinking when you first heard this message? And let me just answer the question you might be asking. Were there any miracles? Were there any tongues? Were there any uh, flames of fire? Was there anything miraculous that happened? No, 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 no. But I asked them, what were you thinking when you first heard this? Because this was in direct opposition to everything they held on to. And they said this. They said, Brad, when we heard it, it was like, it was like a perfect rain tree. Which might not mean a lot to you, but what a perfect tr a rain tree is, you, it means that the, it was proportionate. A perfect rain tree, unlike other rain trees, other trees... Other trees will have a huge limb here. They won't have the root structure to support it. They'll get up to, a, up to about 100 feet high, and then when the big wind comes along, they'll fall over because they don't have balance. A perfect rain tree has the big trunk. It has the fins that support it. It has large limbs out there. And it's the Itedi way of saying it makes sense with the world that's out there. That's the message you have, guys. It speaks of our lostness. It speaks of our, it speaks of our desire to be right with God, with the world that's out there, and our inability to live perfect human lives. It encapsulates all that. We've got that message. If you're not well-versed in it, get versed in it. Learn to explain this to your neighbors. Sometimes our hesitancy really does stem just from that. These guys here, they got the gift of tongues. We've talked about um, not in the sense of 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. First thing they did, they spoke. 
They didn't do a miracle. They didn't sing. They didn't go out there and uh, pull bread apart and feed the masses. They didn't levitate guys with their, you know, chariots or whatever like, like that. They began to speak. It says they came out of the room in verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. The first response of Christians that came and were filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God helped enable them to make sense of all that Christ had done. Now it makes sense. Now we can speak of forgiveness. Now we get what Jesus accomplished on the cross. The Spirit of God put that all together for them. And they could speak. That's what followers of Christ do. There's not, a, there's not a command to speak. Peter doesn't stand up in that upper room and say, now we all ought to go outside and talk. That's just what people did who were rightly related to God, who understood the message. They spoke. These guys heard them speaking in their own language. And utterly amazed, in verse 7, they asked, are not these men who are speaking all Galileans? How is it that we all hear them in our own tongue? The speaking, the speaking, the speaking. Again, folks, it's not a command. It's an assumption. It's an assumption. Uh, down to verse 11. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Well, what does that mean, the wonders of God? Uh, I, I've, I've had to stumble around on that one there. And I want to uh, back up a little bit because the wonders of God, that, that's what that first crowd heard. Um, I've got, uh, Beth and I, as I mentioned earlier, we're surrounded by neighbors. And across the street, we've got like the boys' dorm. Uh, they're a bunch of college grads. They're all uh, single guys, uh, just graduated from San Diego State. They all have great jobs, girls in and out of the house all the time, parties all the time. Uh, it, they're, they're all guys, young, healthy, good-looking guys, living the dream. It's a treadmill of new faces, new girls. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a riot, actually. They're all really nice guys. Uh, as I've mowed the lawn, as I've weed things, uh, I've talked with a bunch of them. And we've, uh, Beth and I have endeavored to live lives that are get-to-able in our very urban setting. That's why uh, years ago we got a dog. We don't have young kids anymore, so we thought instead of walking our young kids, uh, we'd walk the dog, okay? And uh, that would enable folks to get at us. Uh, I pull my own weeds. I mow my own lawn. And, uh, man, John's been to our house. Uh, that, that's, uh, he's probably seen the crews that go up and down our part of town. And that, that's done for you. You pay for that. Uh, we wanted to be get toable, And so, uh, man, we've had a chance to share the Lord in brief with our neighbors, but it's always been quick shutdown. Quick shutdown. We're those weird people, moral people. Uh, Tim, though, was a guy that would uh, be uh, right across the street, college grad, doing the thing, engineer, da-da-da, perfect life. Uh, and as I uh, spent more time in Tim's garage, and guys, let me tell you, I don't have time. I don't have time to go and hang out with Tim. I do not have time. Just like you guys, you don't have time for this. But you know what? He lives on my watch. He's the guy. And eventually we struck up enough of a conversation and, he, uh, and I gave him a book. And I have found that to be very helpful. It's a starting point. Sometimes, how do you start? And for some people, it's going to be one thing, the kids, athletic endeavors. You know, there's all kinds of ways. <clears throat> but I can't do the kid thing and I'm not going to Pop Warner games anymore. And he doesn't have kids. And, uh, and he seemed like a guy that would. And for years, I would hand out mere Christianity. It's kind of a little bit outdated for unsaved people even. And so, man, there's a book by Timothy Keller called uh, Reasons for God. 
And if a person will read, and uh, Tim said, yeah, I'll look at it. Uh, Tim has never talked with a Christian before. He's never held a Bible. Educated guy. He's heard about Matthew and Moses and Abraham and Paul. All those names are jumbled together because that's how Leno and Letterman and those guys, you know, that's how they talk. You know, it's all a big maze of names out there. So he's heard all this stuff. He's grown up in, a, you know, in America, in Los Angeles. And uh, then a few months ago, we went out to... Um, Went out to breakfast for the first time and began to talk through that book. Well, let me tell you guys, uh, the wonders of God, trying to explain the wonders of God to Tim, I would be talking Swahili, okay? Because the way that we talk here in our Sunday school class and in the foyer ain't working with Tim. You better unpack it. You better unpack it. You talk in Christianese, you have just relegated yourself to this foaming-at-the-mouth, right-wing, bigoted zealot. Can we unpack the gospel? Uh, that takes time and practice. It's terrifying. Uh, you, you, you stub your toes a lot. And, uh, man, I'm 60 years old. There it is. Tim's 25. Uh, there's a gap there. I don't have a lot of relational touch points. Tim is at the epicenter of coolness. Uh, that left me decades ago, okay? Uh, so there's not a lot of connecting, like we're really, we've got this thing going. No, we don't have this thing going. And we're in a chess match. And uh, to explain the gospel to this young man, I'll tell you what, it's taken everything in me. Man, I can talk to you guys. Tim will tell you this. Anybody who's talked up here, you guys come here to hear religious talk. Some of you come here to get your heart lifted in song and to open up the scriptures. You, we come for a variety of reasons. But I won't endure any weird gazes walking out of this pulpit and down into the foyer. But aren't we all deathly concerned, afraid even, of our neighbor thinking, oh, they're just weird. Being relegated to the weird category. Man, guys, young teenagers, college guys, uh, you don't want that reputation. We're not worried about being hauled before Sanhedrin courts. We just don't want to wear that reputation. The wonders of God. Uh, Peter goes on this day here and he gives a, a gripping message. Oh man, we can learn so much. We, we're not going to go into that whole thing here. But we see this, <clears throat> verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured, this is Peter's summation, after laying out uh, all that Christ was in the line of David and all the prophecies, many of the prophecies fulfilled. He gives this thunderous ending Therefore, in verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And went on and on and on. Uh, don't you wish for such courage as Peter? Oh, man, don't you want to be that guy? Man, just put me in that spot, Lord. Man, I, I'll, I'll go for it. I'll speak. Um, those settings are rare. Uh, they just don't come to us a lot. And honestly, I, I am shocked. I'm embarrassed at my lack of courage. Uh, Tim and I met the first time. And uh, we went pretty far with it. Explained the gospel in a skeletal form after giving them some backdrop. You've you got to talk about Genesis. You've got to talk about Abraham. You've got to explain some things, okay? You don't just drop Jesus on a guy. Jesus is not the answer if they don't know the question. He's answering nothing. And so it takes a lot of background stuff, folks, to, for the unsaved guy with no background in this to understand the precarious predicament that he's in. For you to talk about Jesus as the answer, you're, again, giving a 
you're given a, you're starting three quarters of the way through the story. And so, man, as we talked and talked, and we ran out of time, and I realized, hey, that's it. A uh, couple weeks later, I saw Tim as I was out front. And, uh, hey, Tim, you want to get together again? Man, summoning my courage. Did that flow easily from Brad Muser, the big preacher? No. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. He'll reject me. Oh, my gosh. He's going to think I'm an idiot. He's going to think I'm pushy. He's going to think. He's going to think. That's what I'm going through. Hey, Tim, what about Saturday? You want to get a cup of coffee? Oh, man, I can't. I'm going to be up in L.A. Oh, man, me? Oh, hey, totally understand. (laughs) Totally understand. Tim replies, hey, what about the next week? Yeah, sure, next week. I am rebuked. I am such a coward. Oh, man, I see rejection all over the place. Here's Tim having to initiate it. Oh, I'll tell you what, praying and praying and praying. God, would you give me boldness? God, would you give me boldness? Uh, we had an, a, another great talk. This is going to be a long series of talks with Tim. I can see this right now. Uh, I gave Tim the first Bible he ever touched two weeks ago. Verse 42 says, They, that first generation <clears throat> believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and all the believers were together. It goes on and on and on. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, you know, um, This isn't Peter and John now. This is these guys who had came to faith. They were adding. They were speaking. They were doing it. And it takes time to understand the message and to be able to give it out with clarity. I I, I get that. But um, many of you, like my wife, have been raised in Christian homes. And uh, you've heard the stories of your mom and dad coming to faith in Christ. Or maybe grandma and grandpa. I mean, it's been around. I realize that Christianity has been around for a while. And there can kind of be uh, this uh, adopting of, well, I'm a second generation. I don't have this vibrant testimony. And I get that. Uh, Man, all four of my kids. Uh, None of them came out of drugs and addiction and, you know, sex slavery. And they don't have these crazy wild testimonies that, you know, they've heard sometimes. Um, That's my kids. Uh, That... That doesn't actually give us a pass, and it definitely shouldn't uh, limit or minimize our heart's response to being forgiven. Guys, second generation, third generation, fourth generation, this message demands that every person it touches is alive, grateful, overflowing. That's who we are, and it's on us as parents to to, to create those homes. And again, man, I look at the, the home my wife was raised in. And, I, and I'm the beneficiary of that home and this Christian community. Uh, my dad, who was uh, in Sunday school, uh, we were talking about it, and I always said, man, you're stealing my notes. Uh, the home I was raised in, your neighbors are your enemies. Uh, except for the two or three that you really get along with. Man, if they, if they wrong you once, they're your enemies. They're to be avoided. They're to be shunned. Uh, you don't do damage to their property because they might do damage to your property. But basically, a feudal warfare was common in the abuser home. Okay? You had the, they had the enemy households, and they had a big X across them. They didn't know that, but my dad had put an X across those homes. And, uh, and reaching out... Oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Uh, he, he's a good American. He's a World War II generation. And uh, they're a good family. Okay, they can borrow tools. We'll help them. I'm always there for them. I, he would pick up the phone 24-7 for those, for those families there. Wrong him once, you're on the list. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you might be living in those homes. They, you've been wronged. 
We're followers of Jesus. We don't get to have a list. We're followers of Jesus. We don't have a list. Nobody goes on that list. Man, we're constantly reaching out. Uh, man, now as we live there in the very home, that some of those things that occurred, I could tell you stories later on. Uh, man, we're having to undo decades of, of uh, animosity, okay? Um, that's, that's not normative. But folks, as Christians, I know Christians that live with ongoing feuds with neighbors. Uh, yeah, I know the reasons. It happens in San Diego. I could tell you our reasons. In St. John's, I'm sure they're different. We don't have the right to do that. We are about reaching our neighbors. Have we embraced that as part of our responsibility? Not just heard messages on it, but wow, that guy that I haven't spoken to in years. You know, we bumped fenders. That was one of my dad's, you know, man, one of the ladies across the street bumped fenders with her. Boom! Done. Didn't talk for 25 years. Uh, happens to Christians too. Second generation, boy, we have a responsibility. The, the, the story goes on, the book of Acts, chapter 3, we see Paul and Peter doing this uh, great, uh, or Peter and John doing this great healing. They're hauled before the Sanhedrin. I know we're getting closer on time. They're hauled before the Sanhedrin, the place where they had uh, tried Jesus. And uh, man, these guys are going to intimidate Peter and John. And they have them stand before me. And again, we're humbled as we hear uh, the declaration of Peter here in chapter 4, verse 11. Speaking of Christ, he is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He won't be shut up. And so the Sanhedrin are, are what do we do this guy? And so they take Peter and John out. They confer among themselves. All right, we're, gonna, we're just going to really lower the boom on these guys. We're going to tell them with clarity, stop talking, stop preaching. That's exactly what they did. Verse 18 of chapter 4. Then they called them in, Peter and John, commanded them, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, guys, these, the Sanhedrin did not threaten them with, if you keep teaching and speaking in this name, we're going to laugh at you. You're going to get a bad reputation. They, no, that, that wasn't it at all. They didn't say, if you do that, you're going to lose your jobs. The threat over Peter and John was, we killed your leader, we'll kill you too. But in this day and age, it doesn't take the threats of death, the threat of job loss, the possibility that we will be not invited to certain events, we'll be left out of conversations, that people will actually be quiet when we walk by. He's the religious guy. Oh, that'll shut us in our tracks. Guys, I know that. That's me. I, 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 I fight those battles. I don't want to be that guy. But we are called to be. Us who are still living here in the U.S. of A., we're not over in Zimbabwe. We're not in Indonesia. We're called to be that guy. That awkward presence. Oh, well, I guess we can't tell those jokes because he's, oh, I guess, I guess. Uh, we're called to be those guys. I love this as uh, the story goes on. And, you know, there's a few reasons. Why is it so difficult? We see the response of Peter here, verse 19. Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right for, in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. It wasn't because they were paid. It wasn't because it was part of their creed. It wasn't because they had Pastor Tim breathing down their neck, checking at the business. Does he ever talk about Jesus? No, what they're saying is, this just spews from us. We can't help.
help talking about this. How are, you going to shut, how are we going to shut this down? We couldn't if we wanted to. We've been forgiven. We touched God. We walked around with God. The God of heaven, he came down and he walked for three and a half years. We walked with him. How can we keep quiet about that? That's what they're saying. How can you and I, we've been forgiven. How can we be quiet about that? It's not a command. It's an assumption for folks who understand they've been forgiven, we speak. It's an assumption. <clears throat> story goes on. <clears throat> well, before we get to the story, what are some of the reasons we've talked about? The reasons that we find this difficult, uh, one is this. Are we, are, are, are we crystal clear on the gospel? And again, man, I, I, was, I was wonderfully reminded. Man, there's a, there's a high literacy rate here regarding the scriptures. Can you explain the gospel? Can you unpack Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Can you unpack Romans 3? Can you unpack John 3, 16? Don't quote them. Can you unpack them? The meaning of those verses that do speak of what God did for us. Folks, may we not be talking in Christian gibberish. Insider talk. I'm still not sure what asking Jesus into my heart means. I'm not really sure what that means. I'm not sure what he prayed the prayer. Is that all we've got? We really need to do better. I know it takes practice, it takes practice, it takes practice. It's like the boy in junior high, you know, kissing the girl the first time. You know, it takes practice before you can do that, okay? Then you get into high school, then you meet your girl. It takes practice. John Kresge takes practice to surf. Don't feel bad. John didn't work out so good the first time. It will happen. And it takes practice. Sharing the gospel is no different. It does take practice. You stub your toe, you get it right. Oh, man, that was real Christianese. That was entire. And you back up and you rephrase. Guys, it takes practice. If you think you're just going to read a book and go out and get on a surfboard, it ain't going to happen. Read a book about witnessing and go out and do it. It isn't going to happen. You will have to stub your toe, stub your toe, stub your toe. And we'll get better at it. Another reason. Um, have we accepted responsibility for our neighbors? We talked about this a little bit. Do you own that? Well, we must own that. That's on us. Guys, our lives, do our lives back it up? None of us are living perfect lives. Some sin takes longer than others to get over. Believe me, I know about that. But do our lives back it up? Are we embarrassed to speak about, man, Jesus fulfills me if we've got all the toys stacked up that they got stacked up, if they see our lives and they know basically he gets the same type of enjoyment, same type of pleasures, his life is about the same type of things as mine, it, it does kind of sound hollow for us to say that, well, Jesus is my all in all. Jesus has met the deepest needs of my life. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's kind of an intuition that we have, I'm really not in a good place to speak about this. It's not maybe because of sin, but my life is really not that different than his. Uh, that can stop us up. And then I think most commonly, and this was mentioned even in Sunday school, are we gripped? Are we speaking from overflowing hearts? And, and, and I don't know what to do with that, to be straight up with you, because I hesitate to say always speak from an overflowing heart because Paul says, woe was unto me if I don't preach. It was a joy for him to do it. But sometimes the joy comes later. Sometimes the terror, the trepidation, the angst, the worry, the ooh, 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 that has to precede doing what we ought to do as followers of Jesus. Don't wait for it to be a joyful endeavor. You may never get to the joyful endeavor stage, okay? We go on in the story. Uh, incredible things. These guys here, uh, 
Boy, that clock. <laughs> Peter and John are freed. The, uh, all the gathered believers, they gather together and pray. And I love the content of their prayer. We're going to pick up in the middle of it in verse 27 of chapter 4. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and give us protection. No. They don't pray for protection. They don't pray to change the, the government out. They don't pray for anything but one thing. Make us bolder. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. Guys, maybe we should have a moratorium on praying for healing. Praying for protection. Praying for a good day. Praying for blessing. Maybe we should go a month. And every time we want to pray for that, no, we're not going to. As a discipline to strengthen this... God, give us boldness. In the midst of their cancer, give them boldness. In the midst of their job loss, give them boldness. In the midst of, give them boldness. Because that prayer is the one that they went back to, probably should be our default mode. Do we abandon other things, man? Is there legitimacy to pray for? Of course there is. I'm not, please hear this in balance here. And the boldness they prayed for, man, we look just a couple chapters later. Chapter 6, here's Stephen. Stephen, what was he? He was a deacon. He was in charge of painting the beams, handing out the food, making sure the lawns got mowed. Stephen, giving this incredible declaration. And, of course, it didn't work out so well, did it? Uh, we've all read the story of Stephen, chapter 6 and chapter 7. In fact, let's turn over to the end of chapter 7. We'll see what happened with Stephen there. Stephen, book of Acts, end of chapter 7 there. They stoned him, and it says... Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the disciples were scattered. Boy, what a horrible outcome. Nobody gets saved. Nobody got saved. Stephen dies. Everybody gets persecuted. What a failure Stephen was. May that be written over his life. Failure. Stephen, you blew it. Man, you didn't have to get so pointed. You didn't have to bring down the wrath of these guys. A lot of other guys had stood before the Sanhedrin. The failures, seeming failures that we will go through. And we aren't there oftentimes to hear the rest of the story. And yet the story goes on. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. See, Christians will flee. Christians will lose their jobs. Christians will get sick. Christians will get thrown in prison. Christians will... Go through a lot of things, but we can't be silent. That's not who we are. We're sheep. Matthew 25, sheep and the goats. Goats always sound like goats. Goats talk about Michigan football, and that's it. Politics, that's it. Obama, duh, that's it. They, they always will sound like goats, and sheep sound like sheep. And sheep have been forgiven. And we sound like sheep. We can't help it. We can't help but sounding like sheep. Guys, let's get our voice back. Because we're commanded to? Because if we don't, it may reflect something far more troubling inside. Maybe we aren't familiar with the forgiveness that should have overwhelmed our souls. If we're finding this impossible to speak, have you really understood what a great debt was paid by Christ on the cross? There is a linkage there, folks. We're followers of Jesus. We speak. That's who we are. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, in the 
aisles at Walmart and Myers and on our streets where we have neighbors and in our offices and places of work. People know us. They, they know we're imperfect. Sometimes we're just so embarrassed at our imperfections that we don't know where to start. God, help us to start. Help us to sense again our responsibility to our dying world, our dying neighbors, nice people, beautiful people, healthy people, dying people. Lord, open our eyes, convict our hearts. Help us to pray for boldness and to put aside the other prayers that we are used to praying. Use this church, Lord. I know you're using them around the world. Thank you for that. God, use them even more powerfully in this community, I pray in Jesus' name.